going the vegan route, it wasn't something I just switched on. So it was a slow progression and it was especially hard for me around the holidays because there were so many traditional recipes that I grew up with and I loved and I didn't want to go that holiday without that special cookie or that dish that I grew up having and loving. And I thought, if I feel that way, there must be a bunch of other people that feel the same way. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And we are officially now kicking off the holiday season on the Exam Room, because today on the show... We are going to be talking about making the perfect vegan Christmas cookie. And you don't even have to celebrate Christmas to really enjoy these cookies, right? We are talking about conjuring up memories from our childhood. Think back to when you were a kid and every December when it rolls around, how special it was to get your hands on these cookies, these family recipes that have been passed down through the generations. Well, Audrey is here to help us rekindle those memories and those warm feelings and show us how to make the perfect Christmas cookie. And because 2020 is kind of a a funky year with the pandemic and we may not be able to join our loved ones in person this holiday season, Audrey is also coming with tips to show us how to perfectly ship them so that these holiday treats will arrive freshly and in one piece not all crumbled to bits. She's going to teach us how to do that. How very 2020, right? She's also, of course, going to be sharing her favorite recipes from her new cookbook, filled with nothing but Christmas cookie recipes, plus Jeff Dunham, her famous husband. What are his favorite Christmas cookie recipes? We're going to be finding that out as well. And really what's so funny about this is Audrey came up with this cookbook right in the middle of the pandemic, right in the middle of the summer. The entire family, as a matter of fact, for photos in this cookbook, got dressed up in the middle of the summer in August when it's almost 100 degrees outside. And they're in their Christmas best. They've got the holiday stockings hung over the fireplace. They've got the tree up. They've got wreaths up. It is definitely Christmas in the Dunham house, except the calendar says August. So that's quite the experience we're going to hear about from her. But on the nutrition front, you're also going to hear her talk about balance. Okay, if you're listening to this, there is a very good chance that you like to eat a low-fat, healthy, whole food, plant-based diet. But Audrey, she eats that primarily. But she also believes that it's okay to indulge every now and again. And that is why she's made this cookbook. So she's going to talk a little bit about that healthy eating balance as well. And it's something that she knows about as a former fitness competitor. So we're going to be getting into that. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to nerd out about nutrition, talking about mushrooms. We're going to have mushrooms on the mind because it turns out that mushrooms are good for the mind. I'm going to be joined by dietitian Maggie Niola to examine a study showing how eating mushrooms can actually slow cognitive impairment and give your brain a boost as you grow older. Interesting science there that we're going to dive into. But first, let's get into the holiday spirit. Let's learn about making that perfect 
perfect vegan Christmas cookie with Audrey Dunham. Audrey, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me back, Chuck. Always a pleasure. I want to start right off the top with the name of the book, which I can think of no more appropriate title. No, you know what? So the full title is Vegan Christmas Cookies and Cocoa. And then the tagline is Holiday Treats and Warm Winter Drinks, All Astonishingly Egg and Dairy Free. And it just, I mean, the tagline, yes, that one took me a while. But the, the title, I don't know, it just kind of came to me. I'm like, how fun would it be? To not only have vegan Christmas cookies, but to also tie in the warm winter drinks that are so fun to enjoy with your cookies. So um, there's a whole section just devoted to cocos and winter lattes and then the toppings as well. So, yeah, it, it was, it's been a fun, fun project, I got to say. Oh, I would imagine taste testing for this has been epic. Oh, yeah. And so, so the full story is uh, this became my COVID project, I guess you could say. I've actually... The idea of doing holiday-themed vegan cookbooks, um, I've had forever, and because I want those books, I thought, gosh, you know, they always say, um, create the thing that you wish existed in the world. And so um, I had that idea, and um, I started learning more and more about self-publishing. And so by mid-June 2020, I am testing recipes, and I begin the process. And um, yeah, so it became three months straight of baking and perfecting recipes. I had two people being my testers. They were testing the recipes out for me and around the clock. And um, it was actually kind of sad when it, we were done. It was, we went from a house filled with goodies always, like literally where my boys would walk in the kitchen and be like, Mom, where's the cookie that you made today? <laughs> and they'd want to try it. <laughs> my five-year-old twin boys. And um, I had to start delivering the sad news that, that we were done. That was Aww. it. <laughs> what was that like, though, but, making all of these Christmas cookies in the middle of the summer? I mean, that like we heard a Christmas in July. You even moved that up to the month of June. Oh, yes. And, and, and I knew it was kind of crazy to try and complete this thing in such a short amount of time. Um, and, but I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. And, you know, especially during a time when things feel so crazy and uncertain, why not give yourself an amazing distraction like write a cookbook? <laughs> so um, it, was, it was just a lot of fun. And then, and then when it came to uh, the photographs, um, I hired an incredible photographer named Vanessa Stump who uh, local here in Los Angeles, and uh, we set up four photo shoots, and literally I had two rooms in my house that were loaded with Christmas decorations and props and plates and napkins just to create gorgeous scenes for each and every photo. <laughs> um, so that was the really crazy part. I mean, the cookies were nothing um, when it came to taking up space compared to those decorations it was you couldn't you couldn't even walk into those two rooms it was nuts but yeah, I'm, um, I'm looking at, at the pictures now i'm seeing a, the, a family shot of you guys uh, i guess this must be the living room there's a fireplace right yep. behind jeff he's got his stocking <laughs> hung everybody's in their christmas morning you know pajamas and you've got the cookies there and the you know the boys couldn't be any happier but this was this was taken when was this a june photo was this july Oh, so, so funny enough, it was the day before my birthday, um, August 28th, and, um, and we, there we are where we had the air conditioning blasting because it was hot in those pajamas <laughs> and <laughs> fire and the whole deal, but um, it was so fun, and I'm sure 
either that photo or one of the other ones we took that day will end up as our Christmas card picture because it just turned out so cute. Um, boys just love the idea of, of getting those Christmas pajamas on already in August and diving into cookies and hot cocoa for photos. They loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these recipes in here. How many did you actually wind up coming up with? So there's 40 amazing recipes here, um, and I really wanted to focus on the classics. So I wanted – I have to say – for myself personally, going the vegan route, it wasn't something I just switched on. A lot of people I know, like yourself, you just kind of flip a switch, and, and I, I'm pretty sure that's that was your story, right? You're like, I'm vegan, and I'm starting today, and that's it. And, 100%. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, it wasn't that. It wasn't the case. It was kind of a slow progression, um, giving up one thing at a time. For me, it was meat first, and then, um, and then as I uh, learned more and more about the dairy industry – not only how unhealthy it is, but what the animals go through, how many animals have to suffer in order for you to have butter and ice cream. Um, I just, uh, it no longer was appealing to me. So it was a slow progression. And it was especially hard for me around the holidays because there were so many traditional recipes that I grew up with and I loved. And I didn't want to go that holiday without that special cookie or that dish that I grew up having and loving. And I thought, you know, if I feel that way, there must be a bunch of other people that feel the same way. And in some cases, I know that you can go through an entire holiday season where you just say, oh, it's the holidays. I'm going to just you know, relax a little bit and enjoy some of my classic favorites, um, regardless of the fact that they have meat or dairy, um, eggs. Um, and then it's kind of hard to switch back once the holidays are over. So it, you, know, you kind of get used to it and you, just, you kind of forget the reasons why you were doing it in the first place. And um, so I figured, you know, why not make things really easy for people um, around the holidays? Um, I hope that this is the first of many holiday themed books. And um, and start with these Christmas cookies, because I know that people don't want to have to say no to their favorite Christmas cookies after going vegan. So I stuck with all the classics, did a big survey on Facebook back in June, um, asking people what their favorite Christmas cookies were, and people were more than happy to talk about Christmas because it was um, the middle of the pandemic and they wanted to think about something happy, and I got an incredible amount of feedback, and so that's what we included in the book. Yeah, it's amazing how much, you know, the holidays just put a smile on everyone's face, especially at a time of year when you're not really thinking about it. I would imagine like out of yeah. left field during the summer, really in the midst of this pandemic, absolutely. I'm not surprised whatsoever that you got such a great response. It was just a great <laughs> reprieve. It was a break from reality. Right, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's, that's my goal too with this book is that once people receive it, they're not only getting recipes, but it, I wanted it to be an experience. I know that personally I love books that have lots and lots of photos, not only because it inspires you to get in the kitchen and get you excited about it, um, but it's also, um, it shows you how a cookie is supposed to look once it's done. <laughs> and so it can be a great guide, especially for ones that are a little bit more complicated, like pinwheels. And um, if you've never made spritz cookies before, you would never know what those are supposed to look like um, necessarily if you're doing it right. And so for every single cookie recipe, there's a photo. Um, there's also a bars, brownies and bars, and there's also some other treats that you wouldn't necessarily call a cookie, but they're like little fun treats you can also include in Christmas cookie trays. And then, um, of course, you go on to the, the hot cocos and then the winter lattes, like you have your pumpkin spice latte. I have um, um, some fun uh, the chai teas, some traditional ones, and then also have an eggnog latte. 
So um, really, really fun stuff. And the photographs, I, I'm just really, really proud of them with how they turned out. It was a, a group project for each and every photo shoot. Um, it, for myself, with Vanessa, the, pho- um, the photographer, and then her assistant, Chris, he was great too. Um, the three of us just had a blast. We had so much fun with our masks on and our, and our social distancing as much as we could. And we made it happen, though. It was, it was great fun. Oh, yeah. You know, they say that you eat with your eyes. You eat first with your eyes. And certainly you got my mouth watering just flipping through the pages on this. I mean, the, the photos really <laughs> did. You're, you're not kidding. They did turn out fantastic. Um, you also, though, in this book, I thought that this was a really novel idea as well. Not only do you have the recipes, but you also have tips for creating the perfect cookie to get it just so, just the way that they're pictured in, in these amazing, uh, amazing photographs. Oh, thanks. The one tip. Yeah. The, well, let me, let me ask you about this one specific tip that I had no okay. idea that this was a thing. You said do right. not use already warm or hot baking sheets to make these cookies. Why is that? Well, most, most importantly, it, it can start the baking process, depending on how warm they are. And, you, and each uh, time that I have listed, baking time is so specific keeping in mind that some ovens just are hotter and cooler than others. So I usually do like a two-minute range. Um, but if you have a warm baking sheet, if you just used it on another batch, um, then it's, it's going to affect that cooking time. Um, it can also burn the edges or the bottoms of the cookies. Um, but even if you're preheating your oven while, um, and you have your baking sheet sitting on top of your oven, it can start warming it. And then it can immediately start to make your cookies spread, prematurely spread, as soon as the dough hits the sheet. So that was one thing I, I highly recommend. Even if you, have to, if you have one baking sheet and you have to take a break <laughs> in between batches, do it. It's totally worth it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was one that, that I, I had to put in there because I think it makes a big difference. Uh, you you also have some tips in there about storing the cookies, and that got me to thinking one of the traditions in my family and with my wife's family is you make them and you ship them off to friends and family, especially this year uh-huh. when everybody's going to be you know, spending time primarily at their own homes. They're not going to be able to travel to see their relatives as much as they had hoped, so you got to ship right. the cookies now more than ever. So what right. is the perfect way to actually pack and ship these things so they arrive as fresh as possible? Okay, I have two words for you. Bubble wrap. So <laughs> here's the trick. So first, well, there's that, and, and that's one part of make sure that they, they arrive intact. You want to layer them with bubble wrap. But before that, you want to make sure that they're as airtight as possible. Air just typically is not a food's friend. There's times that you need something to sit out, um, and like for instance, right now, I'm, it's a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and I have, I'm making the stuffing for the family, and so I have chopped up bread, pieces that will be made in the stuffing, and you need that dried out. But when it comes to cookies, usually you want things really airtight so that they stay nice and soft. There's a few exceptions, though, um, and they are, it's noted in the book where I don't recommend cookies to be kept airtight just because things can become a texture that it's not supposed to. Uh, one, one example would be the peppermint chocolate chunk brownie cookies. They are topped with candy cane pieces, and what can happen is those candy cane pieces can start to become kind of overly chewy, um, and they don't stay nice and crunchy like they're supposed to. Um, but for the most part, I would say the majority of them do stay. Um, they're stored best at airtight, and those are the ones that you want to ship to your family. 
Gotcha. Okay. Good. I hope that makes sense. Good, good <laughs> And it's all noted at the bottom of each recipe. I, I, I give recommendations for storage. You just you, have to look for it. You do. I don't, I don't recall ever seeing storage tips in a cookbook, cookie or otherwise before. This is above and beyond. Oh, well, thank you. Um, it, you know, it, it, once again, you create the product that you wish existed. And um, it's, it's interesting how different a cookie can taste the next day if it's stored properly. Um, and then same with um, some of these other treats like the brownies and whatnot. Some of them, they, they actually stay best if they're kept in the refrigerator for one day or up until one hour before serving if you're going to serve them at a party and whatnot. And I, mo- I note all of that. You know what I like about having you on the show is you you have your, your – your life is in balance. And let me explain what I mean by that, Audrey. What, what I mean is, you know, you, you know a ton about health and nutrition and fitness. I mean, you've trained your husband before his specials, you know, so he, right. you know, is in good shape. And But you also have this philosophy that – it's okay to indulge. As a matter of fact, you encourage it to indulge from time to time and to not right. overdo it. And one of the things that, you know, you were mentioning to me is like, look, you know, I know that you have a lot of really healthy listeners on the exam room, but it's really important that we talk about how even though there's still sugar in these cookies and vegan butter, still way healthier than the traditional fare. Oh, yes. And 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 there's a few good reasons why I say this. Um, and I have to say, I have a background in fitness. I used to do fitness competitions. I did some really, really strict dieting where there's absolutely no sweets allowed for three months during training. And then after I was done training, I would completely just do a swan dive off the wagon and just <laughs> start eating way too much. And it was a mess. It was a horrible existence, and I, and I don't miss it. So now I'm determined to live a life um, where everything is included, where I'm, I have that very healthy food, um, very clean plant-based food the majority of the time, but there's always room for a little treat if I want it. Um, and then there's days where you have big treats, and that's okay as long as there's no guilt and then you, you, know, you, you have your usual way of eating that you can go back to. Everything is just fine. It's, and it, and it's, a, it's, it's a, a relationship with food that I had to work on after doing years of fitness competitions. It was, it was way out of whack for a while, but... Um, I have to say, so when it comes to to the vegan um, cookies, why I say that they're healthier than traditional cookies, even though that they include vegan butter and sugar, first and foremost, one thing that people don't realize is that the even the plant-based sources of saturated fat, um, such as coconut oil or um, uh, the palm oil, they are they are still saturated fats that are not great for you, but they are better than the animal sources of saturated fats. Still not something you want to go overboard on. Um, and in fact, I don't think I have a single recipe that calls for coconut oil um, in the entire book, just vegan butter, which um, I recommend one that has um, a vegetable oil base. Those just t- seem to have a better flavor and turn out the best in cookies. Hmm. Um, and I mentioned that in the tips uh, at the beginning of the book. Um, but um, uh, so I should mention that first and foremost. So you, no, traditional cookies have the animal-based butters, the saturated fats. Those are worse for the heart. Um, also, people don't realize that animals store toxins in their fat cells just like humans do, just like people. So we, we store those in our little fat cells, and so do animals. And when you have the, the traditional butter, the cow butter, you have eggs, not only are you getting that saturated fat, but you're getting all the toxins from the environment. 
um, a whole wide variety of things like heavy metals and whatever it is that was in their drinking water or their food or the air um, is now being transferred onto you and is doing who knows what in your body. So those are the two main reasons why I think that the um, that the vegan cookies are still healthier than the traditional ones. Let's talk uh, some of the cookies in here. Do you have a favorite? I, because I think that I do. Um, but I, I'm curious to get your favorite recipe out of this book. What, what, if there was just one that somebody had to try, which one should it be? Man, that's so tricky. I know. Uh, I know. It's a gosh. simple question, but the hardest one to answer. Oh my goodness. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> um, okay. I'm looking at the table of contents right now. I'm going down. The snickerdoodles were pretty crazy good. Um, I'm also really, really proud of my royal icing recipe. Um, I'm just, that's not necessarily my favorite thing because um, it's icing. But (laughs) sugar cookies with the icing, pretty stellar, um, I I have to say, if I do say so myself. But I also love um, the cranberry orange coconut chewies are really good. The red velvet crinkle cookies are Jeff's favorite. He loses his mind over those. Um, butterscotch haystacks in the treats category. That's something I grew up with. And that was one of the first things I wanted to veganize because, um, like I said, I didn't want to have to give them up, um, going vegan. So anyway, yeah. So what would be your favorite? Oh, it's gotta be the classic peanut butter, uh, cookies. I mean, I grew up eating those and I mean, I'm just such a a peanut butter guy and I do, you know, I try to watch my figure obviously. Um, and and I don't like to, to overdo it, but every once in a while, you know, I, I will, I will indulge in the, in the peanut Uh, butter like this and man alive, it is like heaven in my mouth when that happens. (laughs) Oh man, you have to try this recipe then because, um, there's only maybe two recipes in the book that I nailed on the first try. And that was one of them. Um, I just, I just, you know, it's one of those amazing, miraculous things when it happens. Um, anybody who out there who creates recipes knows what I'm talking about. It's rare, but when it does happen, you're like, yay. And, um, yeah, everybody in the family, they, they love those. And, um, it was a huge hit. So I can't wait for you to try them. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it needs to happen. You also, I should mention, have date bars in there. I know that a lot of plant-based uh, fanatics love some date bars. So I'm oh, really man. excited that this recipe is in the book as well. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, um, I grew up eating date bars. My, the one that my mom made, though, was a mix. It was, I don't know how it came. I guess it was like the crumb layers were in one packet and then the date layers were, or date layer was in another packet in the box. Um Regardless, I love them, and I just knew they needed to be included because it just felt like they're a classic. They just felt like home. Every time you just hear the name, it just felt like comfort food for me because it goes way back. Um, and then also pecan pie bars. Those are mm. a big favorite. They're just a little bit like crack, just warning us, a little dinking. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the chocolate chip brownies, I'm looking at the table of contents right now. That was the hardest recipe for me. I think I did 20 versions of that recipe before I got it right. And um, so for a while there, it was just like brownies everywhere in our kitchen. And I actually had to take a break and come back to it a couple weeks later because after a while, everything started tasting the same. I, just, I knew it wasn't right. I knew I could do better. But um, anyway, it's it's fun looking back at, at this list of of recipes because there's, there's memories that kind of go along with each one as I created them. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I see hey. another bar here that caught my eye. Where do you weigh in on fruitcake? I know that it, we're not talking about the <laughs> fruitcake bar recipe that's in here. We'll talk about that in a second, but fruitcake, I know yeah. that that is a highly divisive food. So where do you fall in the fruitcake line? 
Well, I have to say, so my family on my mother's side has an incredible fruitcake recipe, and um, I like it. And it wasn't something that I ate as a kid, but as an adult, I do, and I love it. Um, and, but it's not something I can eat a lot of. Um, and my mom will spend like an entire day making fruitcakes for the Christmas baskets that she gives away. And um, it's a giant project. It takes a long time, and then she lets them sit for a month and then does the whole thing with the brandy to get it just right. And then she finally packs them up and gives them away. And I just thought, you know, how fun would it be to capture those same flavors in something you could make in 15 minutes? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I tried to do here. And I think that I, I think I did it, but (laughs) it was another one of those recipes. It was actually really easy to put together. It's so simple. It's like the perfect recipe to make if you need something quick and you happen to have all the ingredients on hand. Um, super comforting. It's like the base layer is like a chewy cookie base, and then you have the traditional fruit and the nuts on top. Mm-hmm. So yummy. And even my boys like them. So yeah, I bet they like the peanut butter bears as well. That those are super cute. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, they they um they are really cute and really fun. And I have to say, um, my boys love baking with me in the kitchen, and I laughed hysterically the day that I had them make those with me. Um, I just had some extra dough. And so I invited them into the kitchen just to see them shape the faces um, and put the ears on and the face. It's super simple. It's just literally, I guess, six ingredients total if that. Um, And they come out as these cute, soft little peanut butter bears with these chocolate chip eyes. And highly, highly recommend that recipe out there, especially if you have some young members of the family or friends. Um, that's the one to make with kids because it's hysterical to see what they come up with for bears' faces. <laughs> that would be a fun project. I'm going to pass that one on to yeah. my nephews and uh, and my brother and perfect. sister-in-law. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, perfect. Oh, man. Goodness gracious. Uh, so you have this book. It is available now at Peanuts Bake Shop, right? Yeah. So I, before I forget, I do want to mention, so a lot of my recipes that I have on AudreyDenham.com um, are gluten-free, or I'll at least give gluten-free options. And so I didn't want to come out with a cookbook and not have that included in this book as well. So I do give gluten-free suggestions and recommendations for each and every recipe at the bottom as well, next to the storage tips. Um, so some of them um, are something you would never think of, like a certain type of um, flour, like garbanzo bean flour that works actually really marvelously instead of the regular all-purpose flour. Um, And in fact, some of them I like better that way. They actually taste better. Um, But um, So you have to kind of flip through and you see, but regardless, um, I give suggestions for each each recipe, how to make them gluten-free. And then there's even a section in the beginning in that tip section that we talked about where I talk about how to find the best gluten-free all-purpose flours. So um, I did want to include that, but but yes, um, you can find this um, actually on my shop, um, on my website, AudreyDunham.com. Um, if you click on shop, you'll find the cookbook as well as my Peanuts Bake Shop cookie kits um, that I provide as well, which are vegan and gluten-free. For those that just want to be able to make something quickly, you always have those cookie mixes available. Um, that where you can whip up cookies in no time too. Oh yeah, yeah. The cinnamon uh, oatmeal cookie kit. I mean, let me tell you something. Those are amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, oh my goodness, they are flipping amazing. They're so good. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, you're the best. Um, it's it. It's been such a fun adventure. Just being kind of like in vegan cookie world. It's. I, I had to kind of make a decision. Um, a year, a couple of years back, like, okay, which direction do I want to go? I know I want to help people. Do I want to be, um, I take on clients and help people with their nutrition or how can I best serve people? And I just 
really felt this calling that I should make the vegan diet and lifestyle um, really approachable and accessible to people by providing delicious recipes and cookie kits and cookbooks. And then that way, people don't feel like they're missing out and they're surprised when they take a bite of maybe a peanuts bake shop cookie. And maybe they think, hey, if this is how good vegan food can be, then maybe I can try more vegan food. And, yep. then, and then it can go from there. That's kind of like the little fantasy I have in my mind. So um, that's the route I've gone, and it's been a blast. No, that's that's solid advice because you hear Dr. Barnard on the show. A lot of times, people will call in or call in. They they'll write in and they'll ask, <laughs> you know, what's what's the first step in going vegan? He's like, look, just take a week and and think about your, some of your favorite foods, right? And then so once mm-hmm. you you have that down, then it's think about ways that you can make them plant based. And so you do you yeah. take your favorites with you as you're making this transition, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what you've done here with this book too. You know, it's not like you have to give up your favorite Christmas cookies. No, no. You have these recipes now right in front of you, along with some amazing storage tips to boot. So, I mean, you've, you've really taken all of the, uh, the thinking out of the equation. You've made this really just a, a phenomenal go-to guide. It's just grab, go, bake and eat. It's great. Oh, you're the best, Chuck. Thank you so much. And, and, um, I can't wait to send you a a physical copy. I know you have a, a digital proof in front of you. So thank you so much for the kind words. And, and I, and I have to say, we have um, an amazing printing team here in Los Angeles. We decided to go with um, a small family-owned local business to do all the printing um, here in Los Angeles. And it, I just wanted to make sure the quality of the book was going to be up to par. Um, I have high standards for my cookbooks. I want them to have vibrant photographs and be something that is treasured and that I can take out each year and it, it feels special. That was the goal, and um, I just couldn't. There were different ways that you can go about self-publishing it, but I really, I mean, when it comes to something we rely so heavily on the colors and the photographs looking good, um, I wanted to have um, a lot of control. So I'm really thankful that, that I found this company. Um, they're helping um, to create these books as fast as they can right now. It's like a, a rush project from beginning to end, and I'm really happy that I found them. And I should mention also that um, uh, a percentage of the profits from each book um, will be going to charities that support um, children in need. So something that you can feel good about if, if you buy a book. Oh, that's super cool. I love to hear that. Thanks. I, I love yeah. to hear that. I love to hear that. Um, I know that our, our time here is running short, but I, I, wanted, I wanted to tell you this um, because you do have these amazing cocoa recipes in the book as well. And I think that this is something that you, you may want to reference as you're making the media rounds to promote this book. Um, and that yeah. is I, I talked about a study recently on the show uh, about cocoa and how it may, in fact, make you smarter. Um, There was a a group of researchers over in the UK, the University of Birmingham, as a matter of fact, and um, they found that uh, when people drank cocoa, and it had been enriched with flavanols, cocoa has flavanols in it uh, to begin with, but uh, they found that uh, they performed better on these cognitive tests. Not only did they score more uh, high scores on them, but they also were able to complete the tests much quicker. I think it was like 10 or 11% wow. faster. Um, and, uh, and they got like really nerdy about it too. And they found that they had a uh, better blood oxygenation as well. So, and they all attributed that to the cocoa. So when you're talking Jeez. about these cocoa recipes, make sure that you stress that this is truly a wonder elixir. <laughs> That's 
mean, it kind of makes me want to pour hot cocoa on my morning oatmeal. <laughs> I, gotta, <laughs> if I can start my day on the right foot. That's cool. That's, that's a great point. I appreciate that. I'm going to use it. Yeah, I'll send you the study. It's, it's pretty interesting. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. That's, right. that's fantastic. I love, I love having new excuses to eat chocolate anyway. I know, right? <laughs> I'll tell my wife about that, too, and I'm sure that it's going to be chocolate, 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 breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the next few days. But right. that's okay. You yeah. know, we'll go take an yeah. IQ well. test right afterwards. Um, <laughs> I love it. But, uh, Audrey, thank you so very much for your time. Congratulations on the release of the book. And the best to Jeff and the boys and you and, and everyone else in the family, you know, for a, a uh, let me be the first to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, uh, thank you so much, Chuck. Likewise. And so nice to talk to you. And, and always a pleasure. And, and thank you for having me on. And, and Merry Christmas to you as well. By my count, in Audrey's book, there are 19 cookie recipes, 10 other recipes for various treats, you've got three recipes for hot chocolate, five recipes for lattes, including, by the way, a vegan eggnog latte recipe. How cool is that? You've also got a recipe in there for homemade vegan whipped cream and even a homemade marshmallow recipe. So her book has everything that you could possibly want when it comes to recipes for holiday treats and Christmas cookies. And we've put a link to order her book in the episode notes. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Going to be delicious. And we talked about balance in that interview. And if you are not one to really overly indulge and you would prefer to eat cookies that don't have a lot of oil in them or any oil whatsoever... Well, Audrey has come up with recipes that can take that oil out for her cookie kits at Peanuts Bake Shop. The last time she was on the show, matter of fact, she came up with some wonderful recipes that eliminated oil. Talking about recipes for oil-free fudgy midnight chocolate chunk cookies and vegan banana bread cinnamon oatmeal cookies. How cool is that? Oil-free. We put the links to both of those recipes in the episode notes as well, as well as a link to where you can order those cookie kits from Peanuts Bake Shop. Highly recommended, highly tasty, highly spirited for the season as well. Always a good time when Audrey Dunham comes on. She is so, so, so positive. Love her energy. She is just the greatest. All right, because it is all about balance here, on the exam room. I want to revisit a conversation that I had with dietitian Maggie Niola, where we discussed how mushrooms can make for fantastic brain food. Talking about powering up your noggin as we head into the new year. So Maggie and I are going to be chatting about a study showing how mushrooms can help keep your memory sharp as you grow older. Turns out these mushrooms can help stave off and even slow mild cognitive impairment. And you don't even need to eat a whole lot of them to reap the benefits. Welcome back, Maggie. Thank you. Interesting study here showing the link between mushrooms and slowing down or even helping to prevent mild cognitive impairment. What mm-hmm. what does this research really show here? Well, basically it shows that having 
About a cup and a half of cooked mushrooms a week can reduce your risk of developing mild cognitive impairment by 50%. So that's pretty feasible, right? It's an easy ask, as long as you like mushrooms. But there are so many ways to eat them that I'm pretty sure we can find something that everybody will like. It really does not sound like a whole heck of a lot. What you said, a half of a cup? One and a half cups One and a half throughout cups. the week. So it doesn't have to be all at once. Um, and it can be, you know, canned, dried, uh, cooked mushrooms from raw, whatever you want. Um, and the study that recently came out showing this used a variety of different mushrooms. So different kinds. There's so many out there. Everybody can find something they'll be happy with. You know, my wife and I, uh, we're, we're mushroom people. They're versatile. I mean, there's kind of a mushroom for every occasion. And that's that's why I'm <laughs> excited about the study, not just because Alzheimer's, unfortunately, runs rampant in my family. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, really trying to do everything in my power not to get that. But because also, like, who, you know, mushrooms you can make, burgers out of mushrooms. We uh, just added a ton of them into marinara over the weekend. Ooh, we got a bag of frozen mixed mushrooms. And it, it's so nice. good. You just mix it in there. It gives it mm-hmm. kind of of this meaty kind of texture and Mm -hmm. i'm telling you yep they are amazing they're really good meat swap (laughs) it is what's up um now mci Mm -hmm. uh let's let's talk a little bit more about this um that is not to be confused with full-blown dementia no so mci is when you you first start becoming a little bit forgetful about things? Mm -hmm. So it's an early sign. Basically, you're starting to forget recent conversations, uh, recent events that have happened. Uh, So you think about it, that's going to impact your day-to-day living if you can't remember like little things that just happened. Like Um, what you had for breakfast or talking mm -hmm. with somebody earlier in the day, something like that. Yeah. And this is, um, it affects about 20% of people over the age of 65. Um, So that's a fair amount. And then with Alzheimer's disease, there's about 10% over the age of 65 that have Alzheimer's, uh, which would sort of be that progression. Um, But the good thing is, is that your nutrition and your sleeping, different ways to engage your brain can help reduce that risk quite a bit. That that is... uh, Really, 10%. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe doing research for the show, and, and I will need to fact check this, I believe that the rate of Alzheimer's is increasing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, more and more people are, are becoming uh, diagnosed with it. Most definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Currently 5.8 million people living with it in the U.S., and that's projected uh, to increase to 13.8 million uh, by the year 2050 so that's over the next three decades that's mm-hmm. that's quite the jump it is a really big jump that is easily more than double yeah easily more than double the cool thing um, about mushrooms too is that of all the food groups that are out there fungi have the most amount of this antioxidant called ergothionine which is what is thought to be the brain protective element um, to these mushrooms so um, like by far like the next food group that has some of this antioxidant in there are beans um but mushrooms like by far have way more than any other food that's really interesting i i I don't think that the average person considers mushroom to be an antioxidant rich food you think antioxidant you would think like grapes for instance Mm -hmm, a lot of people turn to wine for antioxidants (laughs) but you're saying go with the mushroom yeah i mean there's so many different kinds of mushrooms right or sorry different kinds of antioxidants um but this particular one that they're studying is mostly abundant in mushrooms that is impressive now this wasn't a small study uh, that they did. This They had, what, 600 people that were in the study, and they mm-hmm. tracked them over how Six many? Six years. Six years. Okay, mm-hmm. that that's a good handful. We're, we're not talking about anecdotal science here. No, it's pretty big. Um, I'm sure that, obviously, research could continue to expand. But, oh, I'm sure. Um, 
No, it's definitely significant. That I would say so. Six hundred people over six decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, six age, years. So, <laughs> right. Duh. They're over the age of six age, decades. I got that's a lot of sixes. <laughs> so many sixes. It, I mean, I'm confused. I know. Uh, you know. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> it's okay. What's your um, what's your favorite kind of uh, mushroom? Just you by know, the way, I know that you're quite the chef. I'm not sure that I have a favorite. The king, king, king trumpet mushrooms have been really interesting lately, but I haven't worked with them a whole lot. Um, but I most frequently use portobello mushrooms just because they have a little bit more depth of flavor as opposed to the white button ones, which are probably most common. Right. Those are the ones that you find in salad or they're easy to saute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, really easy to do. We actually have a lot of good mushroom recipes up on our website. We sure do. Uh, we just came from the local ABC affiliate here in Washington, D.C. One of the recipes that uh, we prepared for this particular segment, Maggie, you were actually talking about this uh, with my wife on the show, mm-hmm. um, was uh, the barbecue portobello. And that that's so good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's, we have the recipe. It's a homemade barbecue sauce. Um, and you can either saute the mushrooms like when you're marinating them or you can grill them, whichever you prefer. But I like grilled a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just barbecue. You got to have the grill, yeah, right? Right. It's perfect for summer. So you can... You can eat them as is or put them on a hamburger bun. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so mushrooms, MCI. Do we know any other, real quick before we, we mm-hmm. switch back to the brain, any other health benefits that mushrooms have? That mm, I mean, they have fiber. So ah. that's good. And protein. <laughs> Everything has protein. I know. Any good plant-based eater would tell you. That's right. Uh, okay, so fiber is definitely a plus, and mm-hmm. we know then that uh, fiber is good for just about everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, that is a magical nutrient. Sure is. Like, if, if I could only choose one nutrient for the rest of my life, I'm pretty sure it'd be fiber. That's awesome. That's a, that's a strong one. All right. Cool. So we talked about how mushrooms are beneficial for the brain. What other foods should people be turning to mm-hmm. to kind of boost that brain, reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, reduce the risk of MCI? Right. So um, vitamin B6 and folate are beneficial for your brain. They can be found in dark leafy greens like spinach. Um, they can also be found in beans and other legumes and then also whole grains like brown rice, for example. So mm. those are good sources of, of the vitamin B6 and folate. Um, the berries have certain antioxidants that are good for your brain. And then vitamin E is a really good one as well, which is found primarily in nuts and seeds. So a little bit goes a long way and those are all going to be very helpful. Okay. Vitamin E. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about a couple other recipes. We, we did the portobello mushrooms, which by the way, are up on uh, PCRM.org. I believe they're on the 21 day vegan Kickstarter. They're not on the plan, but they're in the recipe database. All so right. PCRM.org slash recipes. And you can find the barbecue portobello mushrooms there. There you go. They're mm-hmm. delicious. It's worth your time. Uh, what other ones? I know that we did quite a few uh, on mm-hmm. uh, ABC seven this morning. So which, which other ones are in your repertoire? Yeah. Um, well, there are the garlic mushrooms. So for people who most people like garlic and mushrooms together Um, and if you're not really up for trying a mushroom you've never had before you can use the white button mushrooms for this and saute them it's a a side dish Um, but really simple it's basically like smoked paprika some salt and pepper on your mushrooms with fresh garlic Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can top it off with some fresh parsley um, chopped on and put that on top a little garnish Mm -hmm. garnish which is edible and you should eat it because it's actually good for you uh uh, Okay, uh, real quick while I'm uh, getting the other recipe out. Uh, The health benefit of parsley is? It's good for your liver. Um, It has its own antioxidants in there. It's like a leafy green. 
Okay. Yeah. Right on. Parsley. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even begin to pronounce this. Uh, feijoada portobello? You know, I, I could be wrong, too, but I think it's feijoada. It's Brazil. It's Brazilian. Uh, um, I, I'm, I apologize to the person that named that dish. I just butchered it. It's okay. I might have, too, but we uh, do our best. We sample that. That You know, it's a black bean dish, and it is really, really good. What all is in there? Yeah, so it's like a it's a nice like bean and mushroom stew. The other vegetables in there are carrots and chayote squash, which is like also really good, but not very common. Um, so if you can't find that, you can use zucchini or some other kind of summer squash, very similar in terms of texture. There's eggplant. Um, I think I said carrots already. Uh, and then yeah. it's flavored with some a little bit of orange juice uh, and maybe cilantro, something like that. Yep, cilantro. Those are going to really add a lot of flavor to it. And those are all simple ingredients. You know, you, it mm-hmm. doesn't take you, – you don't have to have gone to, uh, you know, like a culinary arts school to be able to whip this together. No, you can make this. Soups are really simple. Yeah. Um, so this is an excellent, like, hearty soup. Um, and I recommend serving that with some, br- like, brown rice. Mm-hmm. Um, again, getting in that vitamin B6 and folate and just, like, a more hearty meal. So including the whole grains, legumes, and veggies is a perfect trio. Fiber. Fiber. Got to have the fiber. Uh, That's another one you can find up on uh, PCRM.org slash recipes. And good luck with the spelling. I'll just spell it out for you. That's (laughs) F-E-I-J-O-A-D-A. That's right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, So that's that's all good stuff. Um, You are an expert with food. So real quick, Mm -hmm. really, really quick, and I promise you this is the last question. Can we go over kind of the different textures of the mushrooms? If somebody's a mushroom novice Mm -hmm. and they want something for a burger, a lot of people will turn automatically to the portobello. Yeah. Is that the go-to for? It's pretty common, right? Like just like I said, the white button's really common. The portobello is really has been common in the past like three or four years and trendy. But um, more as of late, people are looking at oyster mushrooms. Mm. Um. It's not that the texture is all that different. It's just that they they pull apart really well. They um, so if you wanted to like create more of like a uh, uh, like a shredded look, yeah, um, that would be cool. Like a pulled meat, if you will. Yeah. Um, so the oyster mushroom is really fun. It's just a matter of making sure you get some of the moisture out. You brown it. Um, there's different like ways to prepare it, but you could press it in a panini press if you want because an oyster mushroom is not flat. There's like all these different like folds essentially it is a weird looking thing isn't mm-hmm. it so you just got to get rid of like the foot of the mushroom and then you can put it in a panini press or just put something like a heavy skillet on top of it while it's in the saute pan to flatten it a little bit um just so you can cook it on all edges <laughs> we'll uh, put up some pictures of oyster mushroom i'll tweet it out from at chuck carroll wlc we'll also put that up on the uh, instagram same one at chuck carroll wlc mm-hmm. uh just because they do they look so daggone funky they're really funky looking yeah uh and then shiitake mushrooms are kind of interesting i feel like they're their own quite popular yeah they're also popular but they are a little bit chewy um so that's unlike any other mushroom that i've had right. but they're really fun too perfect like you can just slice them really thinly and bake them in the oven with a little bit of salt and pepper and then they crispen up which is really cool and as they cool they crispen up even more they're perfect salad topper absolutely uh i actually prefer shiitakes either sauteed or baked uh Mm -hmm. over raw Uh, oh yeah no no i don't well some mushrooms are not good to eat raw like they're not safe some of them not all mushrooms i don't know which ones but um, generally speaking, it's probably mm. good to cook your mushrooms. That is, that is good to know. Mm-hmm. That is good to know. I'm assuming that the white button mushrooms are okay. The, I'm pretty sure those are yeah. fine. A lot of people eat those raw okay. and they're in a lot okay. of crudite dishes. But uh, <laughs> That's good to know. That's but good some to mushrooms know. you shouldn't eat raw. <laughs> 
but uh, my wife and I are big fans of the shiitake. Um, those uh, in the in the bag of frozen mixed mushrooms that we get, those are the primary mushroom in there, and they're they're mm. chewy. That's why I like mm-hmm. them so much in the in the marinara because it's it, you like that it makes texture. it like a hearty kind of a thing, you know. Huh. I'll have to so, try that. Yeah, yeah. You, I grew up eating meat sauce, quote unquote. Right, right. And so here we have something that kind of replicates that a little bit, and mm-hmm. obviously is far healthier. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good option. Next time I make pasta marinara. Mushrooms for the win. I get so fired up about nutrition science. I get so excited about these recipes. Because as much as the standard American diet, the food that's part of that, as much as that can harm the body, when you flip the script and you start to eat healthier foods and you put that type of fuel in your body, Man, that is fantastic. And it can kind of become a game about maximizing the benefits with each meal. You take a little bit of this, you eat a little bit of that. What vitamins and nutrients are you getting with this meal? Okay, well, what other vitamins and nutrients do you need that day? Okay, well, let's make sure then that we eat food that has that in the next meal. And it's kind of fun. It's a lot of fun, as a matter of fact. And that's what I love about the show, is learning how to win that game. And sharing it with you is perhaps the best part of all. And by the way, I also want to say a huge thank you, because we got some exciting news from podstatus.com this week. And that is that the Exam Room podcast is the number one rated nutrition podcast in a bunch of countries. We hit number one in Jamaica, in the United Arab Emirates, in Botswana, in Namibia, and Uganda of all places. The power of plant-based nutrition is truly going global. And it is an honor to know that the exam room is playing a part in that. So thank you to everyone who is listening in those countries and everywhere else. Thank you all so much for making The Exam Room the special show that it is. And if you haven't yet subscribed to The Exam Room by the Physicians Committee, go ahead and do that right now. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever shows are available. Look for The Exam Room by the Physicians Committee hit that subscribe button and leave a five-star rating. Because every five-star rating and new subscription helps us climb higher in the rankings in other countries around the world. And the higher we climb, the easier it becomes for people who truly need this information to find it. And therefore, those subscriptions are truly helping to make the world a healthier place. So thank you. Thank you for helping us do that. And I also want to say thank you one more time to Audrey Dunham and Maggie Neola for their time on the show today. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based.